Welcome to Discover Ag, where every week we discover what's new in the world of agriculture. We are your hosts, Natalie Kavorik and Tara Vanerdusen, and together we bring you our professional farming opinions on a mix of entertainment, facts, and trending news articles in the ag and food space. We're ag like you've never seen or heard ag before. Welcome to episode 68 of Discover Ag. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, like, I love that we, like, kick off our Monday mornings like this. Like, it's just such a great way. Like, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon. I guess it depends what time you're listening to this. The energy I have on Mondays now because of recording, it's unhinged. I love it. Did did it throw you off last week that we recorded on Tuesday because the rest of the week I was a day behind? Like, I thought Tuesday was Monday, and I thought Wednesday was Tuesday. I was completely all because we recorded Tuesday morning instead of Monday morning. No, I don't think so. But honestly, I, I cannot remember. I cannot even recall. <laughs> yeah, like I don't remember that far back. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did you get – did you watch the reels I sent you and Ashley last night about the liver yes. king? That's now my new priority as I listen – watch all the reels <laughs> you sent me, and I love them all. I heart them all. So, yes, I watched the liver king. Thank you for babying me. <laughs> Is he not a gift to this social media world right now? I don't know. I'm just like not on the Liver King bandwagon, I don't think. I am dying. I cannot get enough of his just his personality. It is something. It is something. It's a lot. There's a lot happening there. So for anyone who I mean, you never heard of had you heard of him? I don't think you'd well, heard of him. Well, I heard say. of him when he started making waves for being like he tested positive for steroids or something. Okay, so that's what I was going to say. My first introduction to him, so he's obviously a thing. He has like millions and millions of Instagram followers, like YouTube followers, like TikTok. He is a thing and has been for quite a while. Um, So we've been under the Liver King Rock. But I became aware of him on Twitter. Someone um, shared or posted what you said is that he is in like a potential lawsuit right now for claiming that um or not i guess being transparent about the fact that he uses steroids when his platform is built around like ancestral living so i don't know i mean he if you saw the liver king you would i guess understand how he's in this potential lawsuit of selling you know liver supplements promoting a way of life but not mentioning that he's on steroids yeah uh, I, the, one of the reels you sent me was like him eating like a raw cow's brain or something. I don't <laughs> even know. I was like, I, I know, Natalie, I'm sorry. This is not the best reels you've ever it's sent. so much. You like open up his Instagram story. Did you get the one where I sent the Instagram story where he was like, we're grounding and he had like his feet and he was like stomping and then he was crawling and he was like, we're putting our hands on the earth. You sent me one to where he was like yelling at like two kids and he was like, you need to be grounded right now. Like, yeah. Take off your shoes. Like, How is this not the best entertainment? I'm like logging in to check Liver King's stories now. This is insane. But I do think it brings up like the whole reason um, I'm like even more interested. And in, I think the idea that you can be sued for transparency, I think is very interesting. I think there are like camps on both sides too. Like that's not right. And camps like, how could he ever do that? So I feel like the whole idea, especially like in the social media era we live in and influencers and everything, it's very interesting to me of how big of a lawsuit he's in and that it's a potential to be sued for. Yeah, this is not just happening like to him. Um, There's like the mascara gate where someone on TikTok said like this mascara Mm -hmm. made my eyelashes longer and like she put on fake eyelashes. So no, no, that has not, that has not been proven. proven. We... We Our journalists, we don't know. We cannot put out false information know. on Discover Ag Platform. 
you're right. We don't know. But the point is, is this transparency <laughs> issue is like, I think that it's going to become more and more of an issue, especially with influencers selling products that like, <laughs> but I'm like, is this a new thing? Like, I feel like it's like goes back to like when the, the Kardashians sell something and it's like, do they right. actually use it? Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the first case that actually goes to court for something like this. And if it's found, like you said, guilty or not, like, can you actually be sued for it? I don't know. I mean, I'm in the, li- I'm a liver. I don't know what I, I don't know what he calls his people. I think um, primates or something. I, I'm a primate now. So I will for sure be keeping up with this whole facade. Oh my gosh, that reminds SP8. me. I wanted to start this episode by saying good morning, discoverers. And I forgot. Oh, I know. Every I time I listen to the toast, I'm like, we need to come up with a name. Is it discoverers? I think it's discoverers. You guys let okay. us know. Send us some yeah. DMs. Tag yeah, us. if you guys you want to have called? good ideas. They're like, we don't <laughs> want to be called anything, actually. Please stop yeah, calling us something. Please, please don't, don't call us anything. Move on to the news now. <laughs> oh, you know what I started this weekend? Zac Efron's, um, well, I've watched it before, but I started season two of Zac Efron's docuseries. What's it called? Down. I want to say Down Under, but that's not right. Down to Earth. Down to and Earth. Went, that's what it's called. Season two down is Earth. Down Under. I oh, it is? Is that why that's in my head? Yeah. It's all in Australia. Australia. Okay. Two. Um, I watched season one and I've been watching season two also. I watched the regenerative ag one this weekend and I decided to make it a drinking game. And every time they said the word chemicals or industrial farming, I took a shot. So I was pretty much blacked out. Were you toasted? Five <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. But seriously, I was like, somebody should make this a drinking game. It was like chemicals. There's chemicals in all of our food. And I just kept thinking of um, the food science babe being like, everything is a chemical. So how do you feel about it? Because I every time I watch, I don't know. I honestly don't know why I watch it. I have no idea why I started season two. I have no idea why I watched season one, but I can't stop watching it. I don't even know if I like it. Do you like it? I was yelling at the TV last night and was like, okay, I'm done. I think I officially, after the regenerative ag one, which I wanted to watch the waste one, so I might go and watch the waste one, but the regenerative ag one, I was, there was points where I was yelling at the TV and I was like, I need to stop. This is not good, but it was just so misleading. I think I'm on the waste one now. I thought the regenerative ag one wasn't terrible. I mean, the first farm they showed, like talked about integrating animal systems. It's just like the second farm they ended with that. So for me, it was just like, we aren't feeding the world with your 30 acre herb garden. Like that one, the restaurant, it was like, this is, this fed you. And I was like, you literally just said how you have to work with other farmers to bring in food. So no, this 30 acre plot of land did not feed your entire restaurant. And like the same with the 69 acre like farm that was um, where she was like butchering her own animals and all of that. And she was like, we have a 20 year wait list. And I was like, okay. Again, like this is not feeding the world. I, so. um, I can't remember what episode it was on, but I, and I was multitasking obviously. So I'm not going to give like a total baseline of the episode, but they were interviewing this, um, cook. And I, she said something that really piqued my interest. She said, um, well, cause you know, his partner's vegan, his co-host. Yes. yes and his co-host so she, vegan she made a comment to him about how she's not vegan. And she said, Islanders like can't be, or something alluded to the fact that Islanders, she's like, Islanders can't be vegan. Like we, that we can't live that lifestyle. And I think she was coming from, she didn't like emphasize on that. Cause they were like all kind of joking and stuff. And that was like kind of the end of it. But I think what she was getting at, which I think is really interesting um, is this idea that they are so close to the food source that they understand, at all and they understand that that just doesn't work like I think that's what she was getting at like 
the, that they are so integrated in it all, like that, that lifestyle and that way of life that like that would never work and they never want to be that way. I don't know. It really piqued my interest. It, the vegan co-host was, I think what was setting me off about him is he was the one that kept talking about industrial farming. And I was like, where do you think your soy for your like tofu comes from? Like monocropping industrial farming. Like I guarantee you do not have a soy plant in your backyard and then are turning it into tofu. Um, and that's not like anything against soybean farmers. I just, I was like, you're so out of touch with how your vegetables are processed that you're eating. Um, and that you think like animal ag is bad. I love that he always, so he always has to have his own plate, you know, and then yeah. he always has to pretend it's like such good food. Like he's always like, mm, so good. And like Zach's like mowing down on like fresh lobster from the sea and he has like a turn up or something. And he's like, this is the best. And I'm like, I'm sure I it's, but it's just part. funny how he has to like sell it, you know? He's Last like, yeah. night he was like, did you hear the crunch of that vegetable? Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so funny. That. Funny fact about Zach, Zach Efron, we are only three degrees removed from Zach Efron because my sister went to school with his younger brother and he would come like on family weekends and things to college. Um, with his Wait, so brother. you've met Zach Efron or you've met the younger brother? No, I've met the younger brother. brother. My sister went to college with the younger brother and she said he, she's, I don't know if she's met Zach Efron, but she's been at a party where Zach, Ef- Zach Efron was at. So, so I'm not like super into Zach Efron. Like, I don't think he's very cute. Like I've never been a Zach Efron fan, I guess. I was very distracted by his jawline last night. Have you been following like a plastic <laughs> surgery situation with Zach Efron's jawline? Tell me you've been following that story. It's very no. bringing breaking news to people. <laughs> um, he claims that he fell when he was running through his house with socks on and he crashed into a table and broke his jaw. And that's why his jaw looks completely different than it did a couple years ago. There's obviously a lot of speculation that he had massive plastic surgery to get more defined jawline. All I can imagine is that he was doing the opening of that scene from Jerry Maguire where he's in yeah. socks and and that's, that's what, what he I was doing too. and he actually hit his jaw doing that. Um, but I would like when he was talking, I just kept looking at the jawline being like, is it fake? Is it fake or is it real? <laughs> now I feel like I'm going to be hyper fixated on his jaw. Good. Speaking of the the toast, uh, toasters, discoverers, I was listening to them, catching up on them this morning while I was making um, granola, which was delicious, by the way, in case you were wondering. And did you hear about the chicken farm? They updated us on ag. They were bringing breaking news to ag. I was like this. We've got to be more on top of it. I didn't. What I didn't know. But I have an eight hour drive this afternoon, so I'll probably binge listen to them. So I'll catch up. There was a big chicken fire and a Connecticut farm um, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like, uh, they only lost one building, it said, but it was about 100,000 um, animals, I believe. And so oh, there was, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of speculation coming out, like, what will that do to egg prices? But I think that USDA already had, like put out a statement that like in the scope of how many animals are raised in birds, um, that one building will not affect the egg shortages. So for I anyone who sees this- that going around, I don't think we have anything to be concerned about. I wonder if this will play into the conspiracy theory that the government is like burning down. Oh, for sure. For sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. No, I haven't All listened. Right. I'll listen. That'll be the next thing I listen. I'm going to put a story actually in my, um, I put up a story asking people for podcast recommendations today because I feel like I want to try some new podcasts. So. Oh, I have been branching out so much. It's kind of fun. I have been unfollowing, like listen. Well, I texted you the other day, like some of my OG listeners, like I can say it because I know she's not tuning in, but. And I text you this, but I'm kind of bored with Jenna Kutcher lately. So I unfollowed her and I've been like trying to like mix up my podcast listening. 
Yep. That's my plan for today as well. And if you are listening, Jenna Kutcher, I, I still love you. Don't hold it against us. I know. Us I love I her too. You. I just feel like I'm in a different place in my life than listening to her podcast right now. Samesies. All right. Getting to the meat of the episode and what we'll be covering for our top three industry news pieces you guys need to know in the ag and food space this week. Um, up first will be Impossible Foods upset with how media portrays them. We both dropped this article into like our Trello board where we keep track of articles we want to cover. So I feel like when we both like, I don't know, we're just very in sync on this one. That Lots we want to cover say. It. Lots to say. Second up is Oatly launching climate footprint labels. Really have a lot to say. I have some <laughs> other articles that I'm going to be bringing to the table about this. One. Ooh, all right. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, United Airlines to develop sustainable fuel using ethanol. Yeah, this is going to be one of those ones where I feel like if, depending on what side of ag you're on, you have probably differences of opinion, whether mm-hmm. you're an animal ag or you're row crop farmer. I feel like this is one of those like hot topics. Ooh, a dividing issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Listen, we're all in ag together, you guys. Friendly reminder. All in it together. Um, Before we dive into all that, though, we want to remind you that every month we host a giveaway to say thank you for listening to the Discover podcast. All you have to do to be entered is share our podcast to social channels, leave us a review, um, or leave us a review on any app you're listening to. At the end of every month, we pick one person and we send them a bag of all of our favorite things. And I have to say, you guys, it is so cool. My favorite thing is when you take us in what you are doing while you're listening to the podcast because the other day we got tagged where there was like a leather maker she was tooling leather and you guys take us when you're out like milking cows and I every time I see that I'm like what other podcast has people doing such cool badass things like this listening to a podcast none zilch no one no one is doing as badass things as the discoverers so shout out to you guys and keep the tags coming Uh, I also, we are now, um, getting more into this podcasting space and like learning about new podcasts, sharing about new podcasts. So we want to bring a podcast to you guys today. It is the forward farming podcast. Forward farming is co-hosted by Amber Bristow, a cranberry grower and Becca Hilby, a dairy farmer, both Wisconsin farmers who talk about the cranberry and dairy industries and so much more. Cranberries are the official state fruit of Wisconsin and milk is the official beverage. And if you didn't know, Wisconsin's state motto is forward. As female farmers, we want to encourage other women to speak up and share their stories. We share our individual industries as well as highlighting many other Wisconsin agricultural industries, all of which help move the Wisconsin ag industry forward. New episodes are released every Tuesday morning on your favorite streaming platform. So go give Forward Farming a listen. I love that. I did not know that about their title because I listened to them, but I didn't know. I love that their title is the state motto. That's so cool. I know. It's like really rooted in ag and I love it. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Very Wisconsin-y. All right. Let's dive into the top trending top or, oh my gosh. Sorry, you guys. Let's dive into the top trending topics. That's hard to say. Okay. Top trending topics in the ag and food space this week. So title, Impossible Foods CEO Peter McGinnis has beef with how the media portrays plant-based meat. Peter McGinnis is hopping mad after a recent Bloomberg Business Week cover story slammed plant-based meats as an unappealing fad that's losing its sizzle. McGin- I'm sorry. <laughs> they just have so many puns in here. I, I like hard to read this. Seriously. McGinnis, CEO of Impossible Foods, says it took him a New Jersey minute before he decided to come out fighting. 
And can I just say, Tara, before you dive into this, we do, I do understand that this is maybe a little bit of the kettle calling the pot black because we're going to now slam on him for being upset about how people portray him. And we obviously love to do that about agriculture. But two things, you guys, two things to defend us. One, um, kind of wow, like how does that feel? You're hitting. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not upset about it. Like, how does it feel to be on our side? And two, I do think after reading the article, which we're going to get into more, they didn't, it's not based on fallacies. Like a lot of the agriculture is. So we're not entirely calling the pot black. It's more like gray or something in between that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was going to say like the irony of the fact that the CEO of Impossible Burgers is, or Impossible Foods is upset that people are like bashing him. I'm like, ha ha ha. Welcome to animal agriculture. Like yeah. in 2020. How does it feel? Take a bite out of that um, burger, Peter. I think the article that he's referring to, the Bloomberg one, is I have it pulled up. They reported that they are reducing their staff at Impossible Burger by 20% in the next, like, month, um, which is approximately 700 employees, which is really, really terrible. They had already cut their workforce by 6% in October. So this is, like, ongoing cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is what he's, like, coming out swinging about. So I did read that article too, because I wanted to see like, what were they saying about him? And they actually talked about beyond and impossible together. So it's not like they even picked on impossible. Like they were just talking about the whole industry as a whole industry. Um, but I do think, so the title was called fake meat was supposed to save the world. It became just another, it's a very long title. You guys, just another fad beyond meat and impossible foods wanted to upend the world's 1 trillion meat industry, but plant-based meat is turning out to be a flop. Um, And I do think that, honestly, after reading the whole article, I do think there's like a little bit of shame or like embarrassment in the place for him and why he's so upset because they, he had really high, well, him and the Beyond guy, but they had really high claims of what they were going to do. Um, Like he is quoted in the New Yorker as saying that he would take a double digit portion of the beef market by 2024 before sending it into quote a death spiral and then after that he has said that he will target the pork industry and the chicken industry saying you're next and they'll go bankrupt even faster so I just like wonder like knowing all the sound bites he said himself and then looking at these numbers you have to be a little embarrassed and being like okay I bit off way more than I can chew also I just am like I don't think you can be upset that people are coming after you when you said you were going to like take the beef industry into a death spiral like really like I don't know he also in this article said that um he compared impossible burger impossible foods to the internet to uh cars Mm -hmm. I'm like wow you like really think highly of your product (laughs) very highly That is one thing I picked up on because I do feel like he was actually hypocritical. He started the article out by defending himself by saying that, that like they're newer. You can't um, like they haven't been given time to, you know, hit the market. Like you said, everyone thought the Internet was a fad. Everyone thought fast car like the horses to carriage was a fad wouldn't be impossible. So to his credit, he was saying, like, give us time to show us what you can do. But then if you like scroll down later on in the article, he talks about like how impactful they've been and how long they've been around. Like there's a quote about how like over the past 20 years we've done this or whatever. And so I was kind of like, you're playing both sides of the coin and it's in the same article, like at least have a nice decency to like do an opposite art. Don't do it back to back. Like that's like marketing 101. Hello. 
Yeah, and then he um, kept saying that they stand up against the taste of animal products. Like, he was like, I don't want to be a good um, veggie burger. I want to be a good burger. And I don't know. His wording in that, too, was weird. And then he multiple times was like, they're better for you and for the planet. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. where are your statistics to back that up? Where is your information? Like, he just, I feel like he loves to say that over and over again and yet has, like, nothing Everyone does. And I already dropped an article in for next week's about a lawsuit coming up about that because they can't be saying that. You guys need to stop saying that. Friendly advice. I know. know. And then his, well, his claim of how they're healthier is that it's 33% less saturated fat and zero cholesterol. And I'm like. Yeah, he really honed in on the cholesterol. He had like a whole answer paragraph about cholesterol. The cholesterol conversation was very judgy. He was like, I don't care if you're rich or if you're poor or if you're smart or if you're stupid. Everyone knows cholesterol is bad. And yeah, that I, was I don't terrible. Know, I hated that quote, like that whole section. I was like, you are really rude. I feel like whoever is his PR manager was like, stop talking. They should reel him in. <laughs> yeah. need- it was kind of like Trump's PR. They're probably like, you guys need to stop talking. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, yeah. One zero cholesterol beef. I was like, it's not zero cholesterol beef. It's not beef. So it's not zero cholesterol. And also I was like, you really want to start comparing the nutritional benefits of yours versus beef? Like let's do it. We will go head to head any day of the week. Let's go. Let's go. I got pretty heated. So one thing I thought was interesting is he's quoted in there saying that right now we have 17% awareness. So 83% of the country's never even heard of us. And we have a 5% household penetration. So 95% of the country hasn't even tried us yet. And I wanted to be like, mm, I think they've heard of you. <laughs> and just because you have a 5% trial rate doesn't mean it's because they haven't heard of you. It's because they don't want to try you. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. And he kept talking about how his product was not for vegans and vegetarians. It was for meat eaters. And I just was thinking, like, as a meat eater, I am not going to go and get an impossible yeah. burger. Like, it's just well, because we happen. know the truth behind like the climate claims. So I think people who are yeah. meat eaters that believe that meat is like ruining the environment and they're like, oh, I want to eat meat, but I do want to do my part to be better to the environment. That, that claim is appealing to them. That's why that's not fair. They're using it because it's like, if you think about, if we did a complete life, life cycle assessments, there's no way that growing like from the beginning of the soy all the way to the transportation, to the building, to the factory, I don't know. And again, it's more nuanced than when we talk about all the time, you have to weigh in nutrition, you have to weigh in like the benefits of cattle grazing, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, the last, one of the last questions the um, interviewer asked him was like, what do you say to people who say you're trying to take away their beef burger? And he was like, we're not taking away anything. We're just adding an option. And I was oh, like, yeah, I know. I was like, how about that Peter. death spiral that beef is supposed to be in? <laughs> Every time I read anything about them in my head, I just picture Mean Girls when they're like, "Stop trying to make fetch happen. Fetch isn't going to happen." And that's I'm like, "Stop trying to make impossible happen. Impossible is not going to happen." That's like all I can think about. Oh my that but he great. did end. Oh uh, you know, you guys, this is what we have to look forward to. He did end the article saying that they're going to be spending more in 23 than they've ever spent in marketing and advertising, and they'll spend more in 24 than they've ever spent in 23. So, I feel like that's what we have to look forward to coming from um, Impossible. Yeah, they're going to be hitting the ad space hard. Mm -hmm. It's coming. All right. Our second trending topic in the ag and food space this week is Oatly launches climate footprint labels in the U.S. 
Oatly has introduced climate footprint labels for select products in North America, starting with its reformulated line of Oatgurts, oat milk yogurt. While this marks the first time Oatly is releasing the climate footprints for some of its products in North America, the brand began publishing the climate footprints for many of its products in Europe in 2021. Transforming the food industry is necessary to meet the current climate challenge, and we believe providing consumers with information to understand the impact of their food choices is one way we as a company can contribute to that effort, said Julie Coonan, Director of Sustainability at Oatly North America, in a statement. First off, before you go, Oatgurt is a disgusting word. Like, that I is what the market came Oatgurt. up with. Oatgurt? gross <laughs> I was every like, time I saw it I was like I can't with Oatgurt I feel like they just took like Gogurt they were like okay it worked for Gogurt let's do Oatgurt I can't even say it but it's, I know it's not the same like Gogurt isn't bad Oatgurt because it, it sounds like an Oatgurt makes me think of Shrek like I don't know I can't with Oatgurt ish <laughs> um I think it's funny that in this entire article they never mention the fact that Oatly is being sued in Europe over their environmental claims Oatly ads are banned in the UK over misleading environmental claims. Plant milk brand Oatly has been told to not repeat some of its advertisements after complaints to the Advertising Standards Authority were upheld. My jaw. So you like, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, my I literally like dropped my jaw. I didn't know that. They got 109 separate complaints saying that they could not back up the evidence and the claim. They had no evidence to back up the claims they were making over their environmental regulation or environmental claims in UK advertisements. And I literally feel like what they're doing is just like, oh, UK said, no, let's bring it over to the United States. So like, we'll probably be able to get away with it there. So two things. First off, that's actually what I had written down is that I do feel like, and we've talked about this, like the whole idea of food labels start with good intent. I don't think Oakley, Oatly has good intent in this case, but I do feel like there's intent there, right? To help provide you know, something for the shopper to go off to better make choices. Um, but there's this confusing, like they have, they even quoted in there, unlike nutritional labels, there is no common or mandated methodology for CO2, CO2 e-labeling. And so, I mean, to this whole point, there is nothing to regulate it. And so, gosh, I had no idea they were under claims in Europe. I'm glad you knew that. But I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked that they are. I am shocked that they're going after the U.S. after they're in like legal situations in Europe. Yeah. So I think that's cute that you think that they're not like um, intentionally trying to mislead people because no, I, I do think they are. I think oh, I was saying food labels in general, oh, I think started okay. with good intent. I yes. don't think Oatly has any good intent. No, no, they, so this is an interesting thing. Like this is another claim they have 100% recycled plastic. That's what they have across their plastic. And then in small print, they say, except for the lid and label. Oh my God. Oatly, do better. Oatly, shame on Oatly. <laughs> and then I don't know if you remember back in October that Oatly was contacting dairy farmers and they were yeah. uh, targeting dairy farmers at the World Dairy Expo and they wanted to do like an expose where they got like bad reactions of dairy farmers being like, what do you think of Oatly? Like, I think they are actually like a terrible company. And I like yeah. say, I don't say that lightly. Like, I really think the more I learn about them, I'm like, you guys are really awful. Well, they're starting to show their true colors and they may possibly be the death of themselves. Like the, the harder they go after some of these things and they continue to like fly their own flag in this manner, um, they may just burn themselves to the ground, which 
one of their favorite claims to make is that the dairy and meat industries, quote unquote, emit more CO2 equivalent than the all of the world's plane, trains, cars, and boats combined. They love that one. They love to share that one everywhere, even though it's not true. So how can, but how can they just do that? You know, <sighs> this goes, this is like a whole thing that we could talk about with like how, at least in the United States, I don't know about in other countries, but like brands can kind of say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Whereas the beef industry, dairy industry, they are regulated by checkoff, which has to be approved by USDA. And as a person who just sat through the, I'm now on the checkoff board. I had to sit through a USDA presentation about what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. And I was like, why isn't everyone held to the same standard? You're also like, cool, cool, cool. So we can say nothing. No, <laughs> that's literally, I, Got I it. Left Thumbs up. I was like, do I need to submit my social media page? Because I feel like <laughs> we may have some real legal problems. We're going to have I'm some back. problems. I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble already. Where is legal? <laughs> the other thing that I, I guess I like quickly picked up on is I do feel like there's an exorbitant amount of greenwashing with this because I do from my visual eye Oatly does have like their labels these climate footprint labels they are like cute and they're appealing and if you're just a quick shopper you're like oh like Oatly's doing their part and like if you don't read or under like dive into all the nuances and the layers and complexity I'm just so sick of greenwashing like I tried to buy um body wash the other day like and I want you know again something good for my family that's not laden and everything And I'm like, every single label is like cute and appeals to my eye about how it's free of this and good for that. And I'm just like, I don't believe any of you guys. I don't believe any of the marketing anymore. I know. It's terrible. It, I know. I'm really liking our new skincare that we've been using though. The, the lard. Oh, I know. I haven't used it on my face yet, um, but I've been using the body one. Yeah. That one, I believe. Pig, well, Well, it's just pig lard. That's all it is. So yeah, you can believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We'll share it to stories. I've been loving it. Um, so the, I thought this was like an interesting number is the plant-based milk sales in us retail stores was 2.4 billion and compared with 15.7 billion for us dairy sales. So, I mean, plant-based milk like has some billions of dollars in us retail nowadays. You guys are still behind water though. Or they are, I guess. Sorry. Yeah. Water is what takes most of our bottled water is what has over the years taken more of our market than plant-based that that people just want to drink more water and not necessarily fluid milk. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, um, I don't know that I have, I have a lot more I could say about this. Like they have claims. Some of the claims they're making are about certain products. Like they have a couple of products that have really low CO2 and what they'll do is they'll use those numbers for those products and then compare it to like total dairy. But if you actually do like a unit by unit comparison, like this article was like, you're comparing apples to oranges mm-hmm. um, instead of apples to apples. If you do like an actual unit of milk for a unit of oat milk, it's not nearly the numbers that they claim in their marketing advertisements well and you also have to as we always say factor in nutritional like right we can't just forego nutrition for sustainability yeah I, I wish we could get to a point where we based um these instead of unit by unit it would be nutrient density index but I don't think we're there yet that also sounds very confusing to put on the food labels though you know like sometimes I'm just like how much do we need to th- be throwing at consumers like when is enough enough you know what if we got rid of all labels and just that'd be a crazy world. Gosh, I can't even imagine it. 
Can't imagine what I would do without that non-GMO salt label. Yeah. (laughs) How would I know which one to choose? (laughs) How would I know which gluten-free milk to buy if it doesn't say gluten-free on the side? Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, moving on to our third and final trending topic in the ag and food space this week. United Airlines taps corn to bring ethanol-based jet fuel to market. United Airlines is teaming up with a corn ethanol maker in a bid to ramp up production of green jet fuel to deal with carbon credits and climate change. United Airlines Incorporated, biofuels producer Green Plains, and energy infrastructure firm Tall Grass Energy are jointly investing up to $50 million to form Blue Blade Energy. The venture seeks to bring to market technology that would simplify making sustainable aviation fuel, also known as SAF, from ethanol and other alcohol-based ingredients, also known as feedstocks. United plans to buy as many as 2.7 billion gallons of the fuel, its biggest SAF agreement by volume, as the airline works to reach net zero emissions by 2050. So I feel like this is everything we've been saying. Like, if, if you go back to that episode with Dr. Von Holder, where he says, ag and forestry are the only industries that at their core like pull and carbon out of the atmosphere i'm like yes this this is it happening these big companies are going to need agriculture to reach their climate goal emission goals and reduce their carbon footprint and farmers should be selling those carbon credits to companies to make that happen and so i like i'm like it's happening like we are in the space where all of these major industries need agriculture to help them So I'm trying to find where they talked about it. But what I thought was interesting is they – so what I learned, I guess starting at a different point, um, United is like a leader in airline for sustainability. They have been doing a lot, and they're one of the only few that apparently, according to what I've been reading – again, I should preface this for everyone listening. I am by no means an expert. This is a little – this article is a little out of our – expertise. Um, I'm really disappointed to hear that you should be a jet fuel expert. I know I'll work on it in my free time. Um, but they are, um, so not only are they setting the goal of being net zero by 2050, they also want to half its carbon emissions compared to their 2019 levels by 2035. Um, which I think is interesting that they're like taking that twofold approach. Um, and they really highlighted that they aren't taking the easy route by just buying carbon offsets, which I think was really interesting, but that they're also going like they have a multi-prog approach. And so that I think they are obviously going to potentially buy carbon off, um, credits to offset, but they're also looking into this, the SAF. Um, and I thought that was really interesting that they, cause I had never really thought about that before. I feel like everyone gets really excited about the idea of buying carbons and being carbon neutral. But if you really step back and think of it in the manner they are, they're not really doing anything to be carbon, neutral. you know, like they're not doing anything better for the planet. They're just literally spending more money, money to say they are. Yeah. And they're offset. I mean, and they're pretty much putting it off on their customers. Like you have, like, I know when you book, I think it's Delta, you can click, like, I want to make this a carbon neutral flight. And they'll like, plants and trees with the money you give them or whatever. Um, So I do think it's interesting. They actually want to reduce their carbon footprint, like in-house, like Mm -hmm. make things more efficient and then like have uh, renewable fuel and then buy carbon credits for the remainder. I feel like that is the right approach to it, like to be multi-leveled. 
Yeah. So going back to how United Airlines is apparently a leader, they started all of this off in 2021. Um, They were one of the first airlines in the world to do a fully loaded passenger flight to run on 100% sustainable aviation fuel. Um, And then in 2022, they were the first airline to sign an international purchase agreement for sustainable aviation fuel, fuel or SAF. Um, and they did that by buying up to 52.5 million gallons um, with Amsterdam um, and potential other airports as well. So I don't know. I was like learning lots about, I guess, the airport industry's um, intentions and lack thereof um, about sustainability. Yeah, from an animal ag standpoint, obviously, with rising feed costs, like the thought of more of our corn going to ethanol like kind of terrifies me but I know that's not what it's about it's about like the overall obviously greater good but I do feel like this is always a point like ethanol is a heart like a point of I don't want to say like disagreement but kind of you're, you're just coming at it from two different angles whether you're a row crop farmer or an animal ag and obviously some people are both um and so I don't know that's my only thing about this is like feed prices are crazy right now and we're <laughs> gonna be I mean this is probably gonna be a trend where we're using more and more renewable fuel well and i was trying to look up statistics to see how much was allotted for feed and how much was allotted for ethanol right I now of our corn production and i yeah. what i found i'm pretty sure it was usda is the website too but i i did not look at what year it was maybe i shouldn't say it but i'm sure it's like similar but they were it was about 45 percent. the article that i read was 45 percent right now is for ethanol production and 40 percent is for feed so there very is very little wiggle room you know, for like wow, that's more than I even thought. I didn't realize it was already like surpassed how much is for feed. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That is um, I had one more. Oh, did you read in there? My other point I wrote down was that they said, let me get to it. Um, the aviation sector accounts for nearly 3% of global carbon dioxide emissions. Yes. I thought that was, that was surprisingly low for me. Mm-hmm. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, you know, though, I did not fact check it and like look into that though, but I know I kind of want to fact check it too. Um, but it goes into the conversation I had with Dr. Fink Mintlerner, which that episode is coming out really soon is we were talking about, you keep saying that you said that last week, you guys, it's not coming out till the end of the month. So Tara needs to stop saying it's coming out. I am like way ahead of myself. I'm (laughs) sorry, you guys. It was the conversation was on fire. I cannot wait for that to be out. But one of the things we talked about was how percentages work. And when you like percentage, Percentages. So in the United States, they'd be a bigger percentage because lots of people take flights. Well, then you have other countries, developing nations who are not flying as much. So their percentage is so much lower. And so it that is why ag's percentage for global numbers is so high compared to other things, because obviously in other oh. parts of the world, ag is a huge industry. For like, he was like, if you have a country where 80% of your people are involved in ag, that's going to be a massive percentage. And there's lots of countries that are like that. It's not that the ag is producing that much emissions. It's that it's such a large sector. And that is extremely interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I want to like go into it more and like learn a little bit more about that. I do too. Because numbers are weird like that. You know, like when you think about like exponential growth or like compounding, like it math does work weird like that. So the idea of applying that to this percentages, I'm, I'm now very excited to listen to our own 
a podcast episode because I, I I was um, busy, so I wasn't able to interview Frank. So I'm, it was I'm really interested. Huge... And I haven't heard him talk about that yet. So I'm really I excited for that either. episode. It was a huge light bulb moment for me. I literally was like, oh, my goodness, duh. Like, that makes so much sense because percentages are weird. Mm-hmm. So get excited. We have a few more weeks. Sorry, y'all. I'll yeah. About <laughs> You're going to say that every episode. Last, last episode, you were literally like, yeah, it comes out in a few days. And I was like, mm, no, it doesn't. But I didn't <laughs> correct you, I guess. <laughs> Go ahead. Correct me. I don't care. I can take it. I'm way off. Oh, all right. Well, anything else you want to add? No, I think that's all I had about fuel. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to Discover Ag. That's our episode this week. Um, So thanks for tuning in um, every Thursday where we cover the top three trending topics you need to know in the ag and food space. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please be sure to tell a friend to listen, share it to your social channels. We love to see those tags on social media. Take a second to leave us a review in the podcasting app. Those mean so much to Natalie and I, and we are so thankful for all of the shares, reviews, and listens from all of you. All right. See you guys next week. 